You can impact your business on any day. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Hey, 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 welcome to Agent Power Huddle. Today you get my mobile edition of Spilling the Tea with Amy. So <laughs> joining you from my mobile office. Um, so today I wanted to talk about um, our pipeline, filling our pipeline for the rest of the year and where our biz- how we need to think about our business so that we can fill our pipeline and make sure that we're continuing um, to have recurring business month over month over month. One of my superpowers is for over 10 years, I have beat my um, minimum requirement that I have for what my income needs to be every month. And you could imagine that has changed from year one to year now 10 and a half, right? So, um, so that is something I'm really, really, really good at. We can all be really, really good at it. It just takes uh, some intentional focus um, around how we build our business. Um, and I will say my business is, 5X in the last three years. So I've grown every year since I started in real estate, even in my lowest years. Um, But I've really grown over the last few years. So um, I want to give you kind of the framework for how to think about your business um, and specifically how to think about your pipeline. So first of all, when we think about our business, I want you to think about it in three buckets. I want you thinking about it in the bucket of leads. I want you to think about it in the bucket of sales. And I want to think you to think about it in the bucket of fulfillment. So you have leads, you have sales, and you have fulfillment. And everything that you do in your business fits under one of these headings. So when you're doing an open house, for example, that is a lead generation tool. So that fits under leads, right? That's a lead generation tool. We can argue there's some sales in there too. It could really go under sales too, but let's stay with leads. So under leads, what are some of the activities that we do under lead generation, under leads? Um, It could be buying leads, right? If we purchase leads on the internet or through some some other, um, uh, through social media, like Facebook, Instagram, we're generating leads. It could be paid leads. It could be organic leads, from doing our videos on social media, from providing um, information of value on social media, that's some organic leads that goes under leads. It could be from our sphere of influence. Those people that already know, like, and trust us that work with us in our life, whether those are personal friends, past colleagues from past trans, for our colleagues from um, past transactions or just colleagues we've met in the industry, past clients, if we've been a realtor for a while, um, or uh, colleagues from our previous careers. If a lot of us are in second careers, where did we work before? Those are all people in our SOI and those people fit under our lead generation um, kind of bucket. And because they are people that know, like, and trust us already and can help us identify not only when they have a personal need, but when they know someone that needs to buy or sell. Um, Also under leads, referral programs. If we're assigned up to any of these referral programs out there, um, that like Agent Pronto is one, for example, there's a ton of them out there that um, provide 
leads to agents for a referral fee at closing. So these are the paid at closing type programs. Sold.com is another one of them. There's dozens that fits under leads. So how do we generate leads for our business? There's plenty of leads out in our business. Some of you network, you go to chamber meetings, you network at schools, you network at hospitals um, where you know you've got nurses or where you know you have teachers. Um, maybe some of you are networking uh, at a hobby or with a cause that's important to you. Um, I have agents that I coach that are going to Kiwana meetings or Lions Club meetings. That's something that they're passionate about. And that's a place where they network. All of that fits under leads, right? How do we generate leads? And there's dozens more that I'm sure you can think of that you could put under um, under that uh that huddle under that category of leads. So we're thinking about our business under three categories, right? We're thinking about building our pipeline based on leads, based on sales, and based on fulfillment. And all of these things, all of these, these three categories really help us look at our business and build our pipeline out. Everybody starts in leads, right? Everybody I meet, everybody encounter, whether they're a stranger, a meeting on the internet, a stranger, a meeting through social media somewhere, a lead that's come into my inbox, um, or a person that I know, they're all a lead, right? I have to look at them that way. Now, the goal is to turn those leads into relationships, right? But we want to think about them all as someone that, that we want to build a relationship with that will eventually convert into business or help us find business. So lead, there's a plethora of ways for us to generate leads. Now under leads, if you've been doing this for a while, you probably have a lot of lead sources already. Many agents that have been in business for especially several years have many lead sources because sometimes one lead source is cooking more than another. So you can't have all your eggs in one or two baskets. I have a lot of agents that boast um, that they are 99% SOI, 100% SOI, sphere of influence, people that know, like, and trust you. And that is to be commended. That means they're doing a great job. What I will tell you, though, some same agents will find out or have found out in their career is that your SOI is not enough. It's important, and it's perhaps one of the most important um, lead sources under that leads category in your business, but it's not enough. Because no matter how big your SOI is, and mine's pretty large now that I've been doing this for a while, no matter how big it is, there are going to be times where you have a lot of folks in there that aren't ready to do anything and maybe don't know anybody that's ready to do something right now. And so if you are an agent, that this is your livelihood and you need your income to be of a certain number every month, you have to diversify under leads and you have to have multiple places that your leads come from. If you're listening to this and you're a newer agent or you're an agent that really only has one or two lead sources, that is not a bad thing. You know, let's commend ourselves for having those lead sources, but I want you to build more. I want you to think about your business um, as a table to start off with, right? So when you have a strong table in your home that you can put things on, that you can sit on and work, that you can have a nice dinner at, you have four legs to your table, right? Four nice, strong legs to your table. Um, I want you to build your leads that way. I want you to build four strong lead, lead sources that you're really good at. 
And then when that feels good, like, okay, this is really good. It's working for me. I'm comfortable. I want you to add a fifth. And eventually I want you to add a sixth, right? Because there's going to be times when one or two of your legs is weak, just for whatever reason, whatever those circumstances are. And you don't want your income to suffer as a result of one of those legs of your business being a little bit weak at the time based on circumstances. You want to have multiple places that business can come from. Um, when I entered into early 2020, I was primarily getting my business from Facebook, um, from my SOI, um, and also from uh, um, some referral programs that I was a part of. And I did a lot of agent to agent referrals. Um, I was also doing some reverse CMAs and I was getting business from that as well. That's where someone doesn't ask me for a home valuation. I just give it to them because I know they own a house and it gets a conversation going. They get curious and it gets a conversation going. And some of those result into database ads and some of those result into business. Um, But my SOI, which had really been strong for many years, was just a little weak and it got a little bit weaker when we hit the pandemic, right? Who could have ever anticipated that? And one of the things I had to do was pivot and start to meet more strangers. So this is where I started to work with some online programs where I started to work on um, one of the things that I chose to do is to work with people that want to cash offers for their home to increase my listing inventory during that time. A lot of people during in early 2020 were choosing to hold off and not to list. So I had to meet more people. And what that lead source did is it introduced me to more strangers. In my case, it introduced me to a lot of landlords um, that wanted to sell their properties. And so that became another leg of my lead generation because it wasn't something I was really doing at the time in in a concentrated way, in an intentional way. And now it's another source of business for me um, because I pivoted during that time and said, okay, where am I really good? Which of my lead sources are a little, little weak? And what else can I add? What else can I be doing in the business to generate more leads to fill in when one of these other lead sources isn't cooking the way I want it to cook, right? You can always generate leads. Leads is not your problem. So when you're saying I have a challenge in real estate, leads is never your problem. There are always dozens of ways for you to generate leads. And if you're unsure and you're like, what do you mean dozens of ways? This is how I get the business. You need to reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook. You can message me. You need to reach out to me. I'd be happy to have a, a conversation with anybody. So leads. So leads is one part of our business. Then there's sales, right? Because leads are great, but they're only great when we have conversion. So when you're thinking about your business and you're thinking about your activities, if we're thinking about our business in these three buckets, leads, sales, and fulfillment, then we should be putting our activities under leads, sales, and fulfillment. Under leads is how do I get the leads? Under sales, it's how do I respond to the leads? And how do I convert those leads? And I would say you spend the majority of your time in the world of sales now. Some of you don't like the word sales. You think it's a dirty word. It is what we do. It doesn't mean we don't care about our clients. It doesn't mean we don't love our clients. And it doesn't mean we don't have a heart for the business. That's what I hear a lot of you saying. None of that is true. What it does mean is that we understand how to communicate with people based on how they come to us. 
So in other words, we understand the psychology of our leads, and that's what we want to get really good at. So if someone comes to me through a Facebook ad, I know they were on Facebook and they were socializing. And when they were socializing, they saw a little old me or something I was offering. Here's a list of homes in your area. Would you like it? I have a list of ranch homes in your area. I have a list of all the open houses coming in your area. I have a list of all the homes with acreage in your area. It could be anything, right? And I offer that up through a Facebook ad and people go, I'd like that. And they give their information so that they can receive whatever it is I'm offering. I'd like to offer you a free home evaluation. I'd like that. Now I know what they want. I now need to respond to them, right? I need to respond to them and create a dialogue, whether that's a text dialogue, an email dialogue, or a phone dialogue, or all of the above. So as soon as that lead comes in, it's only valuable to me if I put my sales hat on and I move into the sales category of how I respond. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. And I know that a Facebook lead that has responded to something that's come to me while they were online socializing and not necessarily looking for me, looking for what I was offering, but it created some curiosity for some reason. They have some need in the background, could be immediate, but usually it's longer term. I know those social leads are going to be three to six months or more of a nurture timeline before they're really ready to do something. And that's if life circumstances don't change and get in the way. So I know that I can't approach them when I approach them with, let's get pre-approved. Let's list your house. I can't approach them in that way because that's going to be something that could perhaps scare them off. Kind of like dating, right? When you go on your first date, do you ask her to marry you or him? Probably not on the first date, right? Because you're just you're just meeting. There's some courtship involved. It's the same thing with these leads. So under sales, one of the activities that we or skill sets we have to get really good at is understanding how to respond based on where the lead came from. SOI is going to be much, much different. We can be much more direct with our SOI, but we also have to be very relationship-based. So if I'm calling a friend that I haven't connected with in a while in my SOI or sphere of influence, I probably don't want to jump right to, hey, do you want to list your house? Hey, do you want to see CMA? Hey, who do you know? But I can very easily have that be a part of the conversation when I'm just connecting and building that relationship. Connecting, hey, Autumn, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. Catching up, work is bound to come up. How are the, how's the family? How's the kids? Or whatever they have going on in their life. How's work, right? Um, and work is bound to come up. And then I get to talk about work too, right? And most people are always wanting to know, especially if they know you, how's the market? They know you're a realtor. So they want to ask you, how's the market? So having some canned, canned well, I say canned, but things that are your words that you believe in relative to how is the market? right? I have always said it depends. <laughs> and then kind of given an overview of what's happening at the time. Someone says to me right now, how's the market? I'll say it depends. If you're a seller, it is really great market because we do have a shortage of, of inventory. And all that means is we have, we have more demand than we have stuff to sell, right? We've got more demand. So we have more buyers out there 
then we have sellers. And as a result of that, when a seller prices their house right and lists it, you know, in a in a positive way, so it shows really well, it's in a great area, it's priced well, it, te- it tends to sell very quickly. It tends to sell for the top market dollar. I never say top dollar. I say top market dollar because top dollar is relative. If I think my house is worth a million bucks, but it's worth 500,000, that's top dollar to me, a million bucks. But if I have to understand the market and what the market feels my home is worth, whole different thing. It also depersonalizes it from me, the realtor, because I'm really here just presenting the data of what's happening in the market, right? So I always talk about sellers being able to get top dollar right now in multiple offers because of the high demand and that we've been in that world for a little while. And it looks like we're going to be in that world for a little while going forward too. Um, but if, and for buyers, I'll but I'll say for buyers, it's also a great time to buy if it's the time for you to buy because by now you can save yourself from a higher price next year because it's a seller's market. We know that when a house sells every month, that the next month, the same house of the market's going to sell for more. So if you need to buy, now is the time to buy because a year from now, you're going to buy the same house for more money. And I usually give a percentage based on the area I live in. So the area, one of the areas that I service gets about 5% appreciation a year, sometimes more. So minimally, I know it's minimally, I know that next year that same house is going to be, it's going to cost 5% more, could be higher too, because it is a seller's market. That's a conservative number. So being kind of prepared when you're having those conversations to just have, what's your elevator speech? What's your 30 second, 60 second thing that you say when someone says things like, how's the market? And if that doesn't come up, where in these conversations with people that know, like, and trust you, are you reminding them you're a realtor, right? Or, and are you asking for help? Nothing wrong with saying, hey, Uh, you know, as you're kind of closing up the conversation or somewhere in there when you're talking, hey, if you know anybody looking to buy, who do you know that's looking to buy or sell this summer? I'd love to meet them. I'd love an opportunity to earn their business, right? Those are the things we want to be thinking about in the vein of sales. So we're thinking about our business in um, leads, sales, and fulfillment, those three buckets. Everything we're doing should fall into those three buckets, no matter what. Um, what else are we doing under sales? Anytime we have a consult with a buyer, anytime we have a consult with a seller, anytime we go on a listing appointment, anytime we're showing homes, that's all sales, right? So understanding psychology of the leads, how to respond to the leads, how to follow up with the leads, how to move them through the process from, I was a stranger in your inbox that came in through social media, or that was I'm a stranger that was referred. So you have some credibility because I was referred to you through a friend or family member, right? Um, But now you need to move them to the next step, knowing what those next steps are for your sellers, for your buyers, and how to get somebody to a next step, knowing what the next steps are you want to move people through and what you deem as a success. So if I talk with a buyer lead and they agree to have a consult with me, like maybe we do a Zoom consult, they agree to have a consult with me and we talk about their options, I ultimately want to move them into pre-approval. That is the next step for me with a buyer I don't know that I don't know anything about, but we're going to have a consult. That's my goal. However, if during the conversation I learn 
that moving them to pre-approval today is not going to happen for whatever reason. I minimally want to move them to an agreement of when I'm going to follow up with them again. And I want to be telling them when that's going to happen and what that's going to look like and why and gaining their agreement. So now we start to build a relationship. Then I want to make sure they're in my CRM and I want to make sure that they're getting my newsletter, right? Which gives them market information each week. I want to make sure I put them on a drip campaign because I have learned that they're a person that wants to buy. So I have drip campaigns that talks to them about the buying process. So I will tell them as a next step, I know we're not ready to go into pre-approval to do the financial qualification yet. Here's what we here's what we're going to do, right? Or here's what I'd like to do, right? I want to direct them. So I'd like to send you information once a week on the market. I'd like to send you information on the buying process. I'm just going to email that to you and I'll stay in touch. And then I'll decide based on our conversation when I'm going to follow up. I'm going to follow up with you in two weeks. Just check in, see if you're receiving everything and what questions you have. That's all. I'm not asking them for anything. Even if they tell me I'm not going to buy for a year. Great. No problem. I'm going to note those things. Now they're going to get a video from me talking about why it might be good to buy now instead of next year, right? Because it's going to cost less. If you can, if you can't, you can't, right? But I've learned some things in the conversation so I can follow up with them, not only personally, but through our tools that we have. So really having under your heading of sales, your activities worked out with how you nurture all of these people that come into your world so that ultimately when they are ready, whether that's today, six months from now, next year, two years from now, when they are ready, you are the agent of choice and you're the agent in front of them. You're probably not likely to be the only agent they know, the only agent they talk to, or the only agent that reaches out. But if you utilize your sales processes, your CRM, right, your follow-up, if you really utilize these tools, you're going to be the agent that sticks with them. On average, people need eight to 12 follow-ups before they ever um do something, right? That is, that's an average number. Before they do something with an agent, they usually need eight to 12 follow-ups. Most agents stop following up after the second or third time. They just stop. So when we're thinking about our business, we're, we, we've got our, I told you, the real of the market, the market is not the problem, right? You have, There are leads, there are plenty of ways to generate leads. So having our lead processes in place and then really understanding what are all of the tools and tricks and things that we need to do under the umbrella of sales, which is where I would argue, once you're generating leads, I would argue that the majority of your time is spent in sales, understanding where those leads came from, understanding the psychology of them so you can understand how to respond to them and then have having those strong follow-up processes that include your drip campaigns that include videos from you, that include phone calls from you, that include text messages from you, so that you're figuring out how your people that come to you, how they like to communicate and you're communicating with them in that way. I have a seller buyer right now that I've been nurturing for nine months. I met them last year on Facebook They came in and they asked for evaluation on their home in an area that I cover. I provided them with the valuation, um, which is just a a quick, 
in dirty valuation. And then I send a video that explains, I've given you a basic range valuation. I can give you a more um, detailed valuation if we talk, right? And I better understand what's happening in your home. Then they wanted to talk to me, got on the phone. We had a conversation. I said, I can do an even better job with your valuation now that you've told me some things about your house when you invite me over. So here's what I suggest. I'll go to work based on what you told me on a more detailed valuation. When would you like to invite me over so that when I come out, I can bring the range that I have that I've updated and I can help you understand your sweet spot, where you should list and why. And we can have that conversation. Well, I'm not really ready to list right now. That's okay. It'll be helpful for whenever you're ready to list. And you know what? If it's if it's a while before you're ready to list, we'll do this again at that time. Great. They invited me over. Now they get to meet me, right? Now I'm a human. So we have conversation. Great. They're not ready. It's not the time to list. They need some time. They thought they needed a year. It has now been nine months. They have been in my drip campaigns. I They have been receiving videos from me. And I have been personally following up at least twice a month with them, right? Just outside of the emails, outside of the text messages that they get from me, they get a phone call from me as well. Um, and if they don't answer, I send a video text. Hey, this is Amy. I'm just checking in. Now they call me this week and say, we're ready. We've decided we want to buy first in another area. And that, which is about four hours away, I actually have a team member there. So my team member is going to get to help them. And then we're going to list. Great. Now I can re-engage with them and get them started. But they called me because I'm the one that's still there all these months later. So you should be living in the world of sales, right? Once you, we get those leads come in, which is not as hard to do as you think, we're living in the world of sales. You'll notice, I told you, we're looking at our business in three blocks, leads, sales, and fulfillment. I spent the majority of this conversation talking about sales. Good amount of time on leads. I haven't talked much about fulfillment. Does What is fulfillment? Well, fulfillment is once you get these contracts written, once you sign the listing contract, once you sign the contract for the purchase, bringing that to close, all the things that happen from contract to close is your fulfillment. And I haven't spent a lot of time there because I argue that you should be leveraging that. Whether you're a brand new agent or not, I have been in the business 10 and a half years. I don't process my transactions. I never have, even when I was a new agent, I always have had a transaction coordinator and that would do those things for me. Now, what that looks like has changed over time. In the beginning, I didn't know anything, right? I was learning. So the TC that my office provided and whatever that person did was the work I accepted. But I got to learn over time what I needed from a transaction coordinator and was able to hire my own over time, all paid at close. This is not does not have to be an upfront, out-of-pocket thing. So, and so... To this day, I don't process my own transactions. I have folks that help with that. And as my business grows and my volume goes up, I add more layers to my leverage. So the pieces in fulfillment that are important for you is uh, the follow-up, right? If you've got to have somebody else chasing the paperwork, ordering the title, chasing the lenders, chasing the paperwork, helping you chase all the contracts, signatures, all of those things. What do you have to do? You do all the negotiation pieces. That's what you do really well, right? You do the stay in contact piece. That's what you do really well, right? So I, every Monday, 
all my sellers know they're going to get a phone call from me every Monday. And we're going to talk about what happened over the last week. It doesn't mean I didn't talk to them the previous week as feedback was coming in from their showings, but it does mean that they know that there's going to be a day every week that I'm going to call them to follow up. And that's more for the relationship than anything else. And I will tell you, even when you have a listing that's not going well, this is what keeps you moving forward in a positive direction. I had a piece of land that I knew would be very difficult to sell that a doctor in my area listed with me. Um, he was the decision maker, but there were three partners. And what I, I knew they had tried to sell it before and they had had trouble selling it before. I also knew it was overpriced. I also knew we weren't priced exactly right. We were still a little high, but we were much better. And I prepared them for this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. But I committed that I was going to call even them every week. And every week for 10 months, I called to tell them that we didn't sell it yet. <laughs> every week. That was not a fun phone call for me to make. Now, what I did, what I was able to talk about is all the things we were doing every week, which, and sometimes we would have conversations about the market and about the economy based on what the my contact wanted to talk about. But here's what happened. We finally, we got really creative and we finally found actually a corporation to buy this land that had need for it was almost like finding a needle in a haystack. It took a long time, but we got it done. It took about three months from the time we found them and they agreed to do business with us to close it. So about a 10 month time frame we sold this property at. What I learned at the closing that I had not known prior is that this medical group had been trying to sell this piece of land for 22 years, right? But they stuck with me because I was the only agent they had worked with and they had worked with residential and commercial agents. It was a mixed use property. So either one could sell it. No one else called them and followed up with them as frequently as I did. And why do I have time to do that? Because I have a process in place and I have somebody else chasing the paperwork. So I call every Monday. And if I can't call because I have a crazy Monday, I send a message and tell them when I'm going to call. And they forgive me because I followed up. Every Tuesday, I call my buyers that are under contract and check in with them. How are you? How What's going on? And give them updates on what's happening and just check in on them. They're stressed, right? They're trying to get to their end goal as well. But all of the other stuff, ordering the title, following up with the lenders, making sure the appraisal got ordered, somebody else is doing that for me. And I'm checking in with that person throughout the week, every week to make sure things are really, really going well and moving in the right direction. So I didn't spend a ton of time in fulfillment. And it is important because the way you service people and the way they feel at the end of the transaction is really, really monumentally important. It's what gets you referrals. It's what gets you repeat business. Um, it's what gets you testimonials. But a couple of things that should be in fulfillment besides someone else to help you with the transaction is your follow-up. How are you going to follow up with sellers? How are you going to follow up with buyers? And making sure, how are you making sure you have a process to keep you consistent? And then how are you going to make sure you get testimonials from them? How are you going to make sure that you ask them for referrals? Like what is the way in which you're going to do that? It can be as simple as if you attend closings, or you attend to show up to give them their keys, then that's the time you ask. I ask for a testimonial after inspection. Usually by that time, we've gotten through the most stressful part of the transaction. We're teed up to get into closing. And that's the time that I ask them to rate me. If they forget or they get busy, 
then I'll continue to do that even after closing. Or if they just haven't gotten it done for whatever reason, I'll continue to do that even after closing. And I tell them where I want them to go. Like, here's the link to my Google, go do it. And that is something I ask for them to do for me. And I ask for referrals throughout the transaction, especially at milestones where things have gone well. You know, I I just remind them that I'm never too busy for referrals because sometimes your clients, they think you're busy. They think you're too busy and they like, oh, she doesn't need to work with my friend. No, I need to work with all of your friends and all of your family members. So I want you to spend time in fulfillment for sure, um, relative to your communication and your follow-up. But I, you're gonna, you really should be spending the majority of your time in the sales sales cycle. And I'll tell you what, when your business is going well, you should be able to pick out in leads, sales, and fulfillment, all the things that are going well. And even when it's going well, there's opportunities for improvement. But when your business is not going well, right, something by your own admission is off. The This is where you find, this is how you find what the challenges are. You look at your lead process, you look at your sales processes, you look at your fulfillment processes. Where are the breakdowns? What are the things we can do to adjust? A lot of times the breakdown is you're doing everything yourself, right? And because you're doing everything yourself, including the fulfillment part, you can't, you don't, you, you're not able to make time, if you will, to do some of these lead things, some of these sales things, some of this follow-up, right? So a lot of times that's where the bottleneck is, but not always. So wherever the bottleneck is, that's what we need to focus on. So in my business right now, a bottleneck is sales. Um, I have a team and I'm converting pretty well, but even I can improve my skills there. But my team needs some help with some conversion activities. So we're we're, we're focusing on that, helping them to convert more at a higher level um, so that we get them to the to where they want to be in their businesses. Well, our fulfillment processes are pretty rock solid when I look at it. And we have really good lead generation processes in place. Um, we have pretty good. I say pretty good because I think there's some things we can tweak, but we have pretty good follow-up in that we can catch somebody and we can keep in touch with them for a long period of time and keep them engaging. We can see them opening our emails. We can see them going to our website. They respond to some of our text messages and videos, Um, but I think we can do even better there. So there's some opportunities I can pick out because I have these processes in place. I can pick out these opportunities and then just work it one at a time. I can't work on them all. Work on one at a time. Get that really good. It doesn't take as long as you think. Where we, where we get challenged is when we try to work on a bunch of stuff at one time, we don't make progress on any of it. So we just identify two or three things. Let's work on one at a time. Check the box and we know that's going well and go to the next one. So, and this is really how we build our pipeline. The last thing I'll leave you with is I want you to look at your pipeline in 90-day blocks. If you've heard me before, you've heard me say this before, but I want you to look at your pipeline in 90-day blocks. It's June. We are not building June anymore, folks. We are building July, August, and September right now. And in a few more weeks, as we enter July, we're going to be working on August, September, and October. Soon you'll be building December. And I know it's summertime and the weather just got really, really nice, perhaps, depending on where you're at. But that's the truth. It doesn't mean I won't get a contract today that isn't going to close in two weeks. I might, that'll be a bonus, but I'm focused on building July, August, and September. I'm always focused on building out 90 days at a time. Now I'm looking at the year and I'm understanding where I'm at for the year, but if I really focus on the next 90 days that are in front of me, I'm going to know where I'm strong and I'm going to know where I'm weak and I'm going to have less stress around my income because I'm going to know where I'm at. So if I have 
And I'm going to have less emotion behind it because I'll have evidence. So if I don't have a lot of closings in June for whatever reason, but my July is jam-packed because that's just the way the contracts are being written, I I can I cannot get down on myself, right? Mindset. I can be like, yes, June is light, but July is stacked. That's why June is light, right? Everybody's just closing in this month. But what's August look like? And what's September look like? Because you can't start building August and September in August and September. You have to start building that now. So if you can start to look at your business that way, you'll stay in a better mindset. Um, you'll make better decisions, right? And then you and you'll you'll understand where you really are in your business and be able to um, pick the right activities to impact that. You can impact your business on any day. You could increase the you're the business that you're doing on any day. You really can. You could put those meal, wheels into motion today. Does it all come to fruition today? No, but you can put those wheels into motion today. And through your commitment to those activities that you identify, you'll start to see the fruits of your labor. I'm telling you, and then in, in those next, you know, 60 to 90 days, you really will if you stay consistent with whatever you choose to do. I'll leave you with this. Everything works. If it works for you and if you work it. You have to find things you're willing to do consistently every day that you work and then, and they have to work for you. So if I say do an open house and you don't do, you're never going to do that. That is not the thing you should pick then. If you're really never going to do it, right? It's not the thing you should pick then because you might go do it, but you don't want to do it. So you're not going to get really good at it. So you're not going to get people signing in and you're not going to follow up with them and you're not going to have the right conversations because you don't want to do it. So you need to find things that you are willing to do. You got to do something though. You have to find the things you're willing to do and then do them really well every day that you work. Create that consistency and increase your skill set. And no matter where your skill set is on that thing, you can get better. You get better through repetition. So I hope that helps you look at your business a little bit differently and especially um, load up your pipeline for the next 90 days. I'm Amy Izzo. I'm here every Wednesday. I'll see you soon. Take care. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.